0: Section six of the rover volume one number fourteen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rover, Volume One, Number Fourteen, Edited by Seba Smith and Lawrence Lebris. Section Six: The Haunted Hogshead by Richard Thompson, Esq. You don't live to Boston then do you no i calculate you are from the old country though you speak english almost as well as i do now i'm a kentucky man and my father was to big bone creek in old kentuck where he could lather every man in the state but i could lick my father well when i first came to boston i was a spry active young fellow and cruel tall for my age for it's a pretty considerable long time ago i calculate so first i goes to look out for uncle ben you've heard of him and his brown mar i reckon and i finds uncle ben at major hickory's universal transatlantic hotel by charles bay in east boston taking a grain of mighty fine elegant sangaree with judge dodge and president pinckney the rowdy that built the powerful large log mansion house and dogs misery in the salt marshes out beyond corlear's hook in new york i was always a leetle bit of a favorite with uncle ben and so he says to me jonathan w says he for he calls me jonathan w for short i'll tell you what it is says uncle ben you come out mighty bright this morning i motion that you take a drop of whiskey toddy or so oh yes uncle ben says i i should admire to have a grain if it's handsome considerably superb says he it's of the first grade i guess for major hickory keeps wonderfully loved with liquors And I can tell you a genuine story about them, such as I guess you never heard before since you was raised, and then he up and told such a tale that the helps all crowded round him to hear it and swore it was better than a sermon, so it was. And as you're a stranger from the old country and seem a right slick away sort of chap without a bit of the gentleman about you, and are so mighty inquisitive about old stories. Why I don't mind telling it to the squire myself and you may depend upon it that it's as true and genuine as if you heard it from uncle ben himself or july white his old woolly-headed nigger you must know then that the universal transatlantic hotel was built an awful long time before i was raised though my uncle ben remembered a powerful grand wood house that stood there before it which was called the independent star of columbia kept by jacobus van soek who came to boston from the old ancient veteran dutch settlers of new york it was some time after fall in the year seventy seven that a mighty fierce squall of wind blew down some of the wall of the house where the cellar was quite to the very foundation i reckon that the old host was a leetle bit matted at this he was though he bit in his breath and thought to drive in some new stakes put up fresh clapboards and soon have it all slick and grand again but in so doing as he was taking out the piles underneath the house what does he find but an awful great big barrel and a cruel heavy one it was and smelled like as if it was a hogshead of astonishingly mighty fine old ancient rum i lay you'll never guess how they got it out of the cellar where they found it because they never moved it at all i calculate though some of the helps and neighbours pulled and tugged at it like nature but the more they worked the more the barrel wouldn't move and my uncle ben said that mighty strange sounds came out of it just as if it didn't like to be disturbed and brought into the light and that it swore at the helps and niggers in english and spanish low german and high dutch at last old van soak began to be a leetle bit afeard and was for covering it up again where he found it till my uncle ben vowed it shouldn't be buried without his having a drop out of it for he was a bold active man that cared for nothing and loved a grain of rum or sangaree or whisky toddy or crank or any other fogmatic to his heart he did so down in the cellar he sets himself drives a spigot into the barrel and draws himself a glass of such mighty fine elegant rum as was never seen before in all boston handsome considerably handsome mighty smart rum i guess says my uncle ben as he turned it down mild as mother's milk and bright as a flash of lightning by the pipe of st nicholas i must have another grain so he filled him another glass and then jacobus plucked up heart and he took a grain or two and the helps and bystanders did the same and they all swore it was superbly astonishing rum and as old as the Catskill mountains or the days of Uder van twiller the first dutch governor of new york well i calculate that they might at last be a leetle bit staggered for the rum ran down like water and they drank about thinking you see that all the strength was gone and as they were in the dark cellar they never knew that the day was progressing powerfully fast toward night for now the barrel was quiet again and they began to be mighty merry together but the night came on cruel smart and dark i reckon with a pretty terrible loud storm and so they all thought it best to keep under shelter and especially where such good stuff was to be had free gratis for nothing into the bargain nobody knows now what time it was when they heard a mighty fierce knocking on the top of the barrel and presently a hoarse force from the inside cried out yo ho there brothers open the hatchway and let me out which made them all start i calculate and sent Van vansoek reeling into a dark corner of the cellar considerably out of his wits with fright and stout old rum don't open the hogshead cried the helps and neighbors in mighty great fear it's the devil pot send, says my uncle ben for you must know that he's a roistering high german you're a cowardly crew says he that good liquor's thrown away upon thunder and storm called out the voice again from the barrel why the hanker don't you unship the hatches am i to stay here these hundred years still mine hair says my uncle ben says he without being in the least bit of only a leetle matted and wondered he was behave yourself handsome and don't be in such a pretty particular considerable hurry i'll tell you what it is before you come out i should like to make an inquiry of you who are you where were you raised how have you got along in the world and when did you come here tell me all this speedily or i shall decline off letting you out i calculate open the hogshead brother said the man in the tub says he and you shall know all and a pretty considerable sight more and i'll take mighty good care of you for ever, because you're an awful smart right slick away sort of a fellow and not like the cowardly landlubbers that have been sucking away my rum with you ho mitch dare toffle said my uncle ben but that is a real wriggler yankee spark a tarnation stout blade who knows what a bold man should be and so by the hanker's horns i'll let him out at once so do you see uncle ben made no more ado but broke in the head of the barrel and what with the storm out of doors and the laughing and swearing in the cask a mighty elegant noise there was while he did it i promise you but at last there came up out of the hogshead a short thick-set truculent, sailor-looking fellow dressed in the old ancient way with dirty slops tarnished gold-laced hat and blue stiff skirted coat fastened up to his throat with a mighty sight of brass buttons, Spanish steel pistols, and a buffalo belt, and a swinging cutlass by his side, he looked one of the genuine privateer bulldog breed, and his broad, swelled face, where it was not red with rage or the good rum was black or purple, marked I reckon with a pretty considerable many scars, and his eyes were almost starting out of his head. if the helps and neighbors were afeared before they were now astounded outright i calculate and specially so when the strange sailor got out of his hogshead and began to lay about him with a fist as hard and as big as a twelve pounder cannon shot crying like a bull in swamp now i shall clear out a plague upon ye all for a crew of cowardly canting lubberly knaves i might have been sucked dry and stayed in the barrel forever if your comrade had borne no stouter heart than you did well i guess that by knocking down the helps and neighbors he soon made a clear ship and then striding up to my uncle ben who weren't not at all afeard but was laughing at the fun he says to him says he as for you brother you're a man after my own kidney so give us your fin and we'll be sworn friends i warrant me but as soon as he held out his hand uncle ben thought he saw in it the mark of a red horseshoe like a brand upon a nigger which some do say was the very stamp that the devil put upon captain kidd when they shook hands after burying his treasure at boston before he was hanged Eagle, says my uncle ben says he what's that in your right hand my friend what's that to you said the old sailor we mariners get many a broad and deep red scar without talking about or marking them but then we get the heavy red gold and broad pieces along with them and that's a tarnation smart plaster i calculate then says my uncle ben again says he may i make an inquiry of you where were you raised and who's your boss oh says the sailor i was born at nantucket and cape cod and all along shore there as the nigger said and for the captain i belong to why he's the chief of all the fierce and daring hearts which have been in the world ever since time began and pray where's your plunder says my uncle ben to the strange sailor and how long have you been in that hogshead over long i can tell you brother i thought i was never going to come out i calculate as for my plunder i reckon i don't show everybody my locker but you're a bold fellow enough and only give me your to close the bargain and i'll fill your pouch with dollars for life i've a stout ship and comrades ready for sea and there's plunder everywhere for lads of the knife and pistol i reckon though the squeamish lord bellamont does watch them so closely lord who says uncle ben a little bit matted and wondered why lord bellamont to be sure answered the strange sailor the english governor of new england and admiral of the seas about it under king william the Third governor and admiral in your teeth says my uncle ben again for now his pluck was up and there warn't no daunting him then what have we to do with the old country your kings or your governors this is the free city of boston in the independent united states of america and the second year of liberty seventy seven i reckon and as for your william the third i guess he was dead long before i was raised and i'm no cockerel i'll tell you what it is now my smart fellow you've got pretty considerably drunk in that rum cask if you've been there ever since them old ancient days and to speak my mind plain you're either the devil or captain Gidd, but i'd have you to know i'm not to be scared by a face of clay if you were both for i'm an old kentucky rowdy of town fork or by the elkhorn my breed's half a horse and half an alligator with the cross of the earthquake you can't poke your fun at me i calculate and so here goes upon you for a villain anyway my uncle ben's pluck was now all up for pretty considerably matted he was and could bite in his breath no longer for he flew upon the strange sailor and walked into him like a flash of lightning and to a gooseberry bush like a mighty smart active man as he was hold of his collar laid my uncle ben and i reckon they did stoutly struggle together for a tarnation long time till at last the mariner's coat gave way and showed that about his neck there was a halter as if he had been only fresh cut down from a gibbet then my uncle ben did start back a pace or two when the other let fly at him with a pretty considerable hard blow and so laid him right sprawling upon the ground uncle ben said he never could guess how long they all lay there but when they came to they found themselves all stretched out like dead men by the niggers of the house with a staved rum cast standing beside them but now mark you this well on one of the headboards of the barrel was wrote w k the vulture seventeen o one which was agreed by all to stand for william Kidd the pirate and july white uncle ben's woolly-headed old nigger said he was once a lob lolly boy on board that very ship when she was a sort of a -a picarooning privateer her crew told him that she sailed from the old country the very same year marked on the cask when kid was hanged at execution dock and that they brought his body over to be near the treasure that he buried and as every one knows that kid was tied up twice why perhaps he never died at all but was kept alive in that mighty elegant rum cask till my uncle ben let him out again to walk about new york and boston round charles bay and cape cod the old sow and pigs hellagat and the hen and chickens there was a fat little dutch parson who used to think that this story was only a mighty smart fable because nobody could remember seeing the pirate beside uncle ben and he would sometimes say too that they were all knocked down by the rum and not by the captain though he never told uncle ben so i calculate for he always stuck to it handsomely and wouldn't bait a word of it for nobody When Uncle Ben had finished, he says, "Jonathan W. says he, I'll tell you what it is. I'll take it as a genuine favor if you'll pay Major Hickory for the sangaree and the toddy, and we'll be quits another day." And so I paid for it every cent. But would you believe it? Though I've asked him for it a matter of twenty times and more than that, Uncle Ben never gave me back the trifle that he borrowed of me from that day to this. End of section six.